morning. Good morning. I don't know if um, we're all like worship out. That could be. Um, if you stayed late to watch the McGregor fight, I guess no one. Um, or you're just exhausted after worship. But um, I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord today. Anyone else is excited to be here this morning? I want to thank our worship team for uh, such a powerful worship time. They have to do it twice, uh, so let's just give them a clap of hands. Thank you for our team. Um, just praying for strength. Uh, our Spanish service today, the Lord was definitely uh, in the room, and then we, you know, segue into that time of, of worship now, so I, I just pray for strength in order to to complete this word and uh, can we pray right quick before we get into it is that cool all right let us pray lord we worship and adore you and uh we're grateful because not for a minute we were um forsaken and now lord as we get ready uh, and kind of calm ourselves down a bit and minds may be rushing with the different things that we left outside, but at this moment, Lord, we just truly just want to concentrate on what we're doing inside here. And Lord, we silence any, any voices from the enemy, and we pray that we are good ground, Father, to receive uh, the seed that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. It's been a, it's been a heavy weekend. Um, on Friday, we were um, at a pray, prayer vigil, is it in Spanish? In English, you know, you got to say vigilia. I think it always, for some reason, it's like prayer vigil doesn't do it, doesn't do justice to it. And um, so it was up to like one in the morning. And uh, I went to bed at 1.30, 1.40 in the morning. And I got to tell you this. I don't know how people do it, man. I don't remember the last time I went to bed that late, and it's messed me up the entire weekend. And, um, I don't know, man. People that go out and, like, you start getting ready at midnight, like, who are you? Like, how do you do that, man? And I think it's maybe age catching up with me, but um, I, I was just I was just dead the next day. So, But it was, it was wonderful um, to be there with other churches, and uh, some of you guys were there, and the Holy Spirit definitely was in the room, and a lot of things came out of that. So just keep praying because we believe that if you've been paying attention to 2020, uh, we, need, we need to double up on our prayers. Um, the month is like halfway, a little bit more, and it's just the first month of the year. And man, it feels like we've been in 2020 forever with everything happening. You know, there's, there's uh, noise about uh, wars. There's what's happening in Australia, what's happening in Puerto Rico. Uh, what's happening, you know, in our government, what's happening in our schools. And the, our prayer is, Lord, just give us the strength. If this is what's going to be for the next 11 months, we need you. <laughs> and we need to know that we're not going to be forsaken. So we were there and we were praying with different churches and it was just a blessing to us. And as Pastor Marianne say, uh, said, we're diving into week three of Keep the Change. And I hope and I pray that it has been a blessing to you like it's been to me. Has anything stuck with you in this series? 
anything at all. And, and I mean, shout it out, anything that has stuck with you in this series. The change you need may not be the change that you want. That's true. What else? That was like everyone's. You can say, oh, that was my answer. Yeah. Right, the story of the lame man at the beautiful gate. He had an ugly condition at a beautiful gate, and he was asking for money when the Lord really wanted to give him complete healing. And I love that first week because it taught us that sometimes we don't have language for what we want because we've never been exposed to it. Right? So he didn't know that healing was possible because he was lame from birth. So all he had language for was for some spare change. And for many of us, we don't, we aim to low. That's something that stuck with me. We aim to low because we've been, never been exposed to anything else. So we're like, just give me some change so I can come back tomorrow and get some more change. And, and the Lord was like, okay, through Peter and John, I want to give you change that makes sense. That gives you the ability to make money. And today... Um, I want to dive into week three of keeping the change and change and obtaining change is only 50% of the equation because it, it serves no purpose if we change and we don't protect the change. And I'm going to be talking on that subject today. That's the title of my message, which I believe is my next slide, which is just protect your progress. Tell your neighbor, protect your progress. See, because change is difficult, right? How many can agree change is hard? Change is difficult, right? For some of us, it's easier than for others, but for some people, just change is hard. So after you go through the process of change, wouldn't you want to protect your progress? So I was looking up some numbers, and 74% um, of the people that get the gastro, um, the bypass, right, the surgery, 74% go back to their original weight or more. 74%. Why is this? See, they didn't put any work into the change, so there's no investment in protecting the change. What happens is when change costs you, you want to protect it. Or at least I pray that you do. And for some of us, man, we've worked so hard to get to this point that we don't want to give it up. Like for some of us, for our marriages, for even our Christian walk, for even our sanity, we've had to work so hard to obtain it that it would be a shame that after you obtain change, you don't get to protect your progress. And I think that many times we ask Lord, the Lord for breakthrough, right? It's a common theme, theme in churches. Oh, give me more. You know, uh, I want more territory. Give me more influence. And the Lord is like, see, the container is not ready. So if you do get what you're praying for, you don't have the character to protect it. So that's the reason that some of our prayers go unanswered is because the Lord doesn't want to misuse his blessing. Does that make sense? He wants your container to be ready and your character to be ready in order to receive what he has for you. Anyone on this side? All right, cool. So it's like the prodigal son. You know, he asked for what was rightfully his. He didn't ask for anything else because a blessing that's premature is a curse. And some of us want things ahead of time. And the Lord is like, man, I know more than you know. 
So it is in your best interest that I say no now. Because if I say yes now, your character can't withhold what I'm about to give you. And then when you lose it, now you're going to blame me for losing it. So today I just want to get into practical steps. Into protecting your progress. Like for example, in that same subject of weight loss. Man, if you worked so hard. And if you've lost, let's say your, your goal was 20. If you've lost 17 pounds. You want to protect that. No? Like, you, like, let's say like you're going to school and you're like a few classes away from graduating. You want to protect what you've been working for. And like I said, it'll be a shame for you to change and not be able to protect your change. And today I just want to dive in a little bit into the story in the book of Nehemiah. And I don't know how many of us are familiar with that story. But I'll just give you a little snippet of it. So Nehemiah was this dude that um, his job was to just be the, the cupbearer for, for the king. So this was his job. His job was to just drink from the cup before the king drank, just in case it was poison. He would die and not the king. It was an easy but very risky job. He was just drinking Kool-Aid all day. But... It just took that one bad Kool-Aid for him to die. So that was his job, right? So it was like they brought a, they brought a bottle of water to the king. He'll be like, no, let me drink it first. The king will stand before him and wait for any side effects, any reactions. And if nothing happened, the king will be like, okay, this is good for me. Personally, I don't like high risk. So that I don't care how much that job pays. I don't know about anyone in the room that, that likes to take big, big risks. I don't even get in roller coasters because I don't take big risks. That's a risk. Have you seen, watched some videos on YouTube? It happens. Anyway, that's a, that's, that's a side note. But, you know, that was his job, to be the cupbearer of the king. And he has this vision, right? So he, he left his land, and he has this vision that the Lord shows up and tells him and, and starts talking about what's happening in his land. The walls were down. And people were coming in and out of the city, taking their women, taking their possessions. And he has this vision, and he comes to the king. And that day, you know, they bring the cup to the king. He drinks it, but he has a sad face on, right? And the king is like, uh, is there something wrong with the cup? And he's like, no, my king, I had this vision. And the vision is that my people need me my people are encountering persecution the walls are down and just just so you know when your walls in your personal life are down people can walk in and out and the scripture talks about that when your walls are down it's like a city with no protection so he has he has this revelation he comes to the king and the king is like okay so what do you want me to do so awesome when you can be faithful in the little things, God can trust you with the big things. See, and what was great about Nehemiah is that even though he received this revelation, he was still true to his calling, even if it was a small thing he was doing. And I know that some of us sometimes receive this revelation from God, receive God is going to send you to the nation, God is going to do this and do that, and we abandon the post that we currently have. So he didn't receive the revelation and was like, hey, deuces, you know, I'm called to greater. No, he kept doing the little things, just like David. David was anointed to be king, and 20 years went by 
before he walked into the fulfillment of the promise. What does that tell me? Some of us walk out of the promise sometimes because we believe it's too long. I need some help somewhere. Over here. Some of us receive a word from God and it'll be like, God, I've been going to church two weeks. What's going on? Some of us receive, God, I've been praying for three days. Where is it? Lord, I have perfect attendance at New Vision for 2020. Where's my blessing? David knew he was going to be king. He was anointed. He received the revelation through the prophet. And he was on hold for 20 years. And let me tell you, in those 20 years, he had various opportunities to kill Saul. He had various opportunities to sneak in and take the spot. But he said, I won't touch God's anointing. Because there is a process to your, to your progress. And so this is what happens with, with Nehemiah, right? Picking up back with, with Nehemiah. So he's like, king, this is what's going on. And he's, the king is like, you've been a, a faithful servant to me. Since you've been a faithful servant to me, what do you need? See, whatever God is going to do in your life, he will always use what you already have in your hands. I've always told people the same thing, and I believe this wholeheartedly. If you need to step out of the will of God to get it, you will need to stay out of the will of God to keep it. And I know some of us want to be, and including myself, God juniors. <laughs> and we want to help out God. And God, okay, maybe you don't know what you're doing, God, but, but let me have some control. And God is like, okay, if you, if you do it, you got to keep it. If this is what you want, you got to keep up with it. So Nehemiah, he was so faithful to the king, even in the little. The king was, I'm going to honor you. What do you need? He was like, I'm glad you asked. I need horses. I need chariots. I need, I need swords. I need men. He was like, you got it. And what's beautiful about this story in, in the beginning is that Nehemiah had a vision. And I said this, I believe it was in the leader's retreat, is that if you have something that you want to do and you can do it by your own strength, it's not a vision, it's a project. You just haven't gotten to it yet. You still haven't disciplined yourself enough to do it. When we're talking about a vision, we're talking about something that is so big that only the Lord can do it. Mm. Something so big that if the Lord does it, people have to say, hey, you know what, that, that couldn't possibly be. That had to be the Lord. And you can say, exactly. And you can point the glory back to him. So he goes back. And they start rebuilding the wall. And the walls, they, they were working on these things for over 100 years. So they were able to build the wall in 52 days. See, what happens is when the Lord is in it, there's a time of acceleration that only he could do. And what took them all this time, I mean, they were, they were trying to be free for over 100 years. It just took them 52 just took them 52 days to build the wall. And when they were building the wall, they had some haters. Tell your neighbor haters. But let me tell you this. Every time you want to do something big for the Lord, you're going to have some of those. You're going to have to come to grips with the fact that once you decide to do something great for the Lord, not everyone is going to like it. See, because people are so used to your label to your past reality that when you strip yourself of that label and say, I'm going this way, they can't assimilate that. So there was these three guys, these three specific guys. 
Sanballat, Geshem, 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 is it? Geshem and Tobias, right? So these three dudes, their job was just to circle around and be like, oh, what you doing over there? Uh, we're just trying to, you know, they were singing, alabare, alabare, alabare. They, were, they were just building the wall, just working, and, and they was like, what y'all, what y'all, what you doing over there? What you doing over there? Like, no, we're building this wall. They started mocking them. There's a list of things that they did. They mocked them. They threatened to kill them. They were like, we're going to come and kill you in your sleep. Because, again, they weren't able to absorb his new reality. So he gets back to the land. Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? Yeah. All right, so he gets back to the land. They start building the wall, and we pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 18. So it says, all the builders had a sword. Everyone say sword. sword. Belted to their side. And the, trump, and the trumpeter, or the trumpeter, stayed with me to sound the alarm. You know what's beautiful about this? That as they were working, they were protecting. Anyone caught that? So they were building the wall, but at the same time they were building a wall, they had a sword belted to their side. See, what happens is that when you're building progress, you need to have the sword by your side. You need to be ready to chop off some heads. <laughs> you need to be ready to say, hey, listen, I'm building, but I'll cut you. Someone say amen to that. See, they were so used. I don't know if you're understanding what's happening. They were so used to being bullied, right? The walls were down for over 100 years. People were used to coming in and out. So Nehemiah was like, if we're going to build this thing, we need to protect ourselves. We need to protect our progress. So as we build, we're ready to defend ourselves as well. And I was saying this morning, and, and I don't know if this happens to you, but when you think back over your life and you realize how God has been, how good God has been to you, I think it merits for you to not only have a sword by your side, you should carry an AK by your side. If you think how much it has cost you to get to this point, would you give it up? They were like, man, we were slaves for hundreds of years. People were walking in and out. And now that I'm finally building my family, now that I'm finally building my marriage, now that I'm finally building my Christian walk, man, I will cut. This is, this is what scripture says. Are y'all reading what I'm reading? They were building with a sword. Why did they have a sword by their side? Because they needed to protect their progress. See, if you think about where you have been and the people that have come in and come out of your lives with no regard people that have taken from you people that have hurt you some way somehow and now that you're finally building something you're not going to protect it and it's not a, 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 a superiority complex or, or, or thinking that it's just that hey listen the Lord has done so much that I cannot afford to go back I cannot afford to leave my, my city unprotected. So as I build these walls, I'm also, I'm also going to protect them. And it's, it's funny because they were all sold out 
And you'll see in the chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, it, it names how the entire family will build the wall. Like the wives were, were involved, the children were involved. And we jump to chapter 9, next, next verse. And the people responded and said, in view of all of this, in other words, in, in, now that we see everything that the Lord has done, we are making a solemn promise and putting it in writing. On this sealed document, man, they went like, on this sealed document are the names of our leaders and Levites and priests. In other words, we want this blessing to be generational. So we want our children to look back and say, man, I'm glad my parents got married. I, I, I'm glad my, my, my parents instilled in me to go to church. I'm glad that we prayed. I'm glad that we built these walls. So I want to put this in writing. They went above and beyond. They were like, man, this is a covenant. Like, God has been so good, man. We had walls that were down. Now we have walls up in 52 days. Only the Lord can do this. So we need to, we need to put this in writing. Next, next verse in chapter 10, verse 39. The people and the Levites must bring these offerings of grain new wine and olive oil to the storerooms and place them in the sacred containers near the ministering priests, the gatekeepers and the singers. And this is what they said. We promise together not to neglect the temple of the Lord. Are y'all hearing all of this? So these guys, these people are sold out, are they? Right? It sounds like they're totally sold out for this vision. They're totally sold out. The Lord has done it. But a few chapters after that, guess what, guess what happens? Chapter 13, which is the next slide. So let me backtrack a little. So Nehemiah says, we build the walls. I still have a job to do. I just, I just took a leave of absence from the king. <laughs> but I, but I got to go back and fulfill my responsibilities. You guys are strong. You guys got this. You guys built the wall. You guys are, you guys are packing. <laughs> so you guys are good, right? So before this, uh, the priest had been put in charge, uh, uh, Eliashib, which is the priest that was put in charge of the storerooms of the house of our God. He was closely associated to Tobiah. What? Y'all remember what Tobiah was doing a few chapters before? He was coming around mocking the walls, being a hater. Hold up. What? We just read a few chapters before that they say, we promise before the Lord. Doesn't that sound like someone y'all know? Maybe yourself. We promise before the Lord. We're going to put this in writing. We're going to enter into covenant. And a few chapters after, we're entering to association with a sworn enemy. And that, this is where the story gets better. <laughs> and he had provided him with a large room formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and the temple articles and also the tithes of the grain. My God. New wine and olive oil prescribed to the Levites, musicians and gatekeepers, as well as the contributions of the priests. In other words, they allowed him to set up shop in the most intimate place. Hasn't it happened to you? That when your walls start coming down, 
The things that you didn't allow before now make residence in your heart. The conversations people wouldn't have in front of you, now they're comfortable having it. This, this side is awfully quiet today. intimate places, right? The things that your automatic answer were yes or were no now become well, you know what? I don't know. Maybe. They, I mean, these people are, we, I always believe that for us as humans, we don't have bad memory. We have selective memory. See, because we don't really recall the things for what they are. See, we will look back at that past relationship. We'll say, where he broke your heart in 70 pieces, but you would think the good times you had with him. Mm. This, it got really quiet in the room. You would think about those times that you were having fun, but you don't remember that you were intoxicated. You remember that you hated your life. You don't remember that you were, you were crying yourself to sleep every night. But man, those were great parties. It's, it's like this selective memory that we have. And they, they were in, in captivity for over a hundred years. And the Lord does something in 52 days. And in a matter of chapters, Nehemiah steps out and they totally forget. And I'm not preaching to you something that's not happened to me. I tend to forget what the Lord has done in my life. And when the walls come down, sworn enemies... And sworn enemies are not necessarily people, but things, addictions, sin. Patterns start taking residence in your heart. Things that you had a wall for, now it's permissible. Or haven't you found it funny that you have the need to keep an enemy close because you feel you need to keep an eye on him? I'm going to work this side until they talk back to me. <laughs> like, like, you know if you break that friendship, it's going to be worse. So you keep him around even though he or she is not good for you. You know this, but you're afraid to what's going to happen if that person opens their mouth. I know I'm talking to someone. I'll keep working this side. Tobiah used to come and mock them. Now Tobiah is living inside the compound. Not only in the compound, he's living in the intimate place where they would store the, the tithes, and where they would store the offerings. They were like, oh, we need to remove that. We need to make space for Tobiah. Can you believe this? Am I talking to someone in the room today? I hope I am. Next slide. So this is what happens. But what I was... Well, all this was going on. I was not in Jerusalem. Remember, he went back to, he went back to work. You know, he just had a, a paternity leave, and he, you know, he asked the king for, you know, some days. But then he goes back, and it says, "For in the thirty-second year of, I don't even know, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king." So after some time, he's working for him, and he's like, "Guess what happened?" I need your permission. I need another break. I need to go back to Jerusalem. And after he gets there, here I learned about the evil thing 
leadership had done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. In other words, what are you guys doing? Didn't we just have this conversation a few chapters ago? Next. I was, this is one of my favorite verses in scripture. I was greatly displeased and I threw all Tobiah's household goods out of the room. In other words, I'm going to evict you today. Get out of here. And after that, I gave orders to purify the rooms. In other words, something impure had walked in. So in order to put back the things of the Lord, we need to purify this place first. It says, I gave orders to purify the room. And then uh, I, put, I put back into them the equipment of the house of God. In other words, we need to get the things of God back in here. The things we evicted to allow, allow Tobiah to come in, now we have evicted Tobiah, so we need to clean. We need to get these things back. Sometimes we just need to clean house. And then I put back into them the equipment of the house of God with the grain offerings and the incest, incest, incense. Next. I also learned, he's, there, he's getting word of all that's happening, man. This is, for people that say that the Bible is boring, you're born. The Bible is the Bible has everything. You just gotta read it. You just gotta read it the right way. The Bible does come alive when you when you read it. it. It will speak to your life and situation. Now, I mean you read the old testament. You wanna talk about novelas? Get into the old testament, man. There's everything. There's betrayal, there's killings. David himself has you can write ten books about David. So he also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites had not been given to them. And that the, all the Levites and musicians that were responsible for their service were like, we're not having church anymore. For the, if it sounds familiar, just, just stay looking at me. Don't look to the side. For the service had gone back to their own fields. They neglected the house of the Lord. What happens is when the wrong people come in, the first thing you get rid of is the house of the Lord. All of a sudden, you can't make it on Sundays. Why is it that the first thing that goes is, is church? Man, and this is not here. This is around the world. It's the first thing you scratch off when it's the, the thing that you need the most. They were like, man, Levites were like Isaiah, Dash. The, wor that, the worship team were called Levites. So Sunday mornings, they were in the beach. Imagine, no, no worship at New Vision because the Levites are working in their own fields. <laughs> so he said, I rebuked all the officials and asked them, why is the house of the Lord neglected? Then I called them together and stationed them back at their post. In other words, I need to get you back in position. I need to get you back to your post. I need to get you back to where you know you need to be. But the first thing he did, he, he evicted and he takes him back to the responsibilities. Nehemiah 13. Y'all still with me? In those days, I saw people in Judah treating, uh, treading, sorry, wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it in donkeys together with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore, I warned them against selling food on that day. In other words, they stopped depending on God and the day that was just allocated for the Lord, they said, we need to take this upon ourselves. Why? Because they stopped building. 
See, something for us to know, this is just life 101. You can never put your soul on, on, on cruise control. You can never put your soul on cruise control. There is no thing as I, I, right now, I'm just neutral. I'm just taking time for myself. Once you hear that, Tobiah has already moved in. When I hear someone, Pastor, you know what? I just need some, some space because I'm working on myself. You know, I, I'm building me and I can't be serving. Tobiah has already a flat screen, PS4, uh, King size water bag. Tobiah has been long moved inside. There is no such thing. Believe this, and 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 and, and time will prove me right. There is no such thing as putting my life and my Christian walk on cruise control. That doesn't exist. If you're not moving along, you're backtracking. There is no such thing as neutral. That doesn't exist. The same way there's no neutral friends, or they're adding to you. Oh, no, I just keep him around. He's neutral. No, he's not. He's not neutral. She's not neutral. They're either adding or they're subtracting. And that's not my message. <laughs> so I warned them against this. And people from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish, all kinds of merchandise. In other words, the walls were down. Everyone was coming in and out. And they were selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath. To the people of Judah. There's so much in this. Keep moving. I don't have time. 17. And so I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this wicked thing that you're doing desecrating the Sabbath day? Didn't your ancestors do the same thing so that our God brought all his calamity on us in the city? Like, didn't you learn your lesson? What happened was when, you, do you remember what happened when the walls were down? Where people were strolling in and out of your life? See, but again, that's, there goes that selective memory again. Now you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. Next. So when evening shadows fell on the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I ordered the, the, the doors to be shut. The doors to be shut and to not be open until the Sabbath is over. And I stationed some of, the, some of my men at the gates so that no load could be brought in on the Sabbath day. Once or twice, the merchants and setters of all kinds of goods spend the night outside. So much in this, and I don't have time to get to it. But the main point of these verses is that some of us need to shut the door. See, Scripture says that when, when people walk in, and out of your life with no regard, with no regard is like a city without walls. And I think that part of soul care. See, can I teach for a moment? Can I teach for a moment? See, there, there's there's three types of people in your life at all times. There's family, there's acquaintances, and there's friends. See, family tends to be non-negotiable, so God will test you with the people that are not optional. <laughs> God will test your character with the people you can't get rid of. You can't get rid of your siblings. There's some family that you wish weren't family, but they're non-negotiable. There are acquaintances and there's friendships. And the problem is that we mix two and three, 
and we give access to people that should only be acquaintances. See, in order to take care of your soul, you need to categorize people in their proper position for your blessing and for theirs. Why? Because then there's an expectation that you can't give because, oh my God, they're not in the same, they should, they're, they're incorrectly placed. And what I've sensed more than anything, and, I, and I'll get into that very quickly because I know time has gone by, is that we don't do well evaluating and categorizing the people in our lives. Everyone deserves your love, not everyone deserves access. The Lord said, oh my God. The Lord said, love your neighbor like yourself. He didn't say, give him access like yourself. You're called to love everyone, but not everyone should have, have access. And one of the things that we are encountering with people I speak to all the time is they have the incorrect people in their ear. And I asked this question a couple of weeks ago. Who has your ear? Who has access to this? Because sure enough, They'll start having access to this. Next thing you know, they have access to this. And they just have to say it enough for you to start believing it. Let me just get back on the highway. Next verse. But I warned them and said, why do you spend the night by the wall? If you do this again, I will arrest you. In other words, get off my lawn. We have no business together. You were accustomed to come in and out, sell your stuff, to buy a, had a house here, had a place here, but no longer. I'm moving on. I'm shutting the door. Can I teach a little more? And I said this to the Spanish service. Sometimes it's hard to evict people out of, your, of our lives because there are soul ties. And the reason that they're soul ties is sometimes there's friendships that have been around for a while that we are afraid of what happens if we break that friendship. We are afraid of how that person will react and we're afraid how we will react. So we're thinking that person knows too much. So what happens the day that we're no longer in covenant? Somebody talk to me somewhere. If you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> So he said, get off my wall. Get off my lawn. You come back here again, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to arrest you. From that time on, when he, when he warned them, see, some declarations need to be verbalized. Some things we need to call them from what they are. From that time, when he told them, you need to get out of my wall. He says, from that time, they no longer came on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the, Le the Levites to purify themselves and to go guard the gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember me for this also, my God, and show mercy to me according to your great love. Next. Next slide. You don't have anything else? No, no just keep moving. Next one. 
One of the things that scripture calls us is to always check ourselves. Tell your neighbor, check yourself. Before. <laughs> so, so keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you next. So guard yourselves. You, you hear a pattern? Yeah? So guard yourselves and God's people next. Watch out that you not do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve. See, bottom line is that you need to, you need to check yourself. And I'm going to give you five things, and I'm not going to dive into them. Five things that can happen and allow us to easily lose our change. We can easily lose our change when, number one, when you allow the wrong people in. They lost what they were building once Tobiah moved in. Does that make sense? Who are you allowing in? Who's in your circle? Have you checked your circle recently? Have you checked who has access to your ear? Who has a voice over your life? Is Tobiah living rent-free in your compound? Is someone that's an enemy of what you're going after living within your compound? Are you in association with someone that mocked that mocked you when you were building yourself? Let me move on. Time has gone by. Number two. When you're ambiguous, and I believe that we, we, we say a lot of things that we don't put into practice or we don't have a, a practical thing for it. For example, 2020, I want to be a better Christian. What does that mean? Oh, I want to be a better father. What does that mean? Do I wake up one morning and say I feel a better father today than I feel yesterday? And I think that we 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 write down or, or express these shallow statements that have no practical implications behind it. Right? You want to say, I want to be a better wife. Okay, how? What does that mean? Oh, I, 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 I want to be a better Christian. I want to learn more about the word. Okay, what are you going to do? How many, how, many, how much time are you going to be spending in the word? See, I don't know if you heard about SMART goals, right? SMART goals is something that we use a lot. And, and I think that in order to protect your progress, you need things that are practical in your life, things that are daily applications for you to go back to and have a good metric of where you are. Like, okay, I want to lose weight. How much do you want to lose? It's the first thing that they ask you when you go to one of these weight loss. What, how, many, I mean, how much weight are you looking to lose? And I think that many times we're so flimsy with the things that we want and we say these blanket statements that sound nice or we can post them in our social media and they look grandiose. <laughs> but we don't have application for them. If the Lord were to ask you, I can grant you whatever you want right now. Do you know what you will tell him? I want to be a better person. The Lord's like, person you want to do. Lord, I just want to serve your kingdom. 
yeah, you're called to missions, uh, you're called to preach. Does that make sense to anyone in the room today? I mean, and I think that we're so ambiguous with, with even our approach to, to Christ. We get up one Sunday, we don't get up the next. We're on fire for God one weekend, we're not on fire for God the next. And next thing we know, Tobias is living rent-free within our house. Number three, when you don't mold your environment for success. I had a, I had a school professor once, a college professor once tell me, he said, Will, if you're the best in your group, you're in the wrong group. He said, if you're the best one in your circle, you're in the wrong circle. But we have this instinct of feeling that we can carry everyone where we're going. And I came to tell you that there's people in your life that you need to let go of because they're not going where you're going. See, you need to purposely, this doesn't happen by mistake. This doesn't happen just out of the blue. You need to take practical and intentional steps to mold your environment. What are the conversations in your environment? Is it gossip? Is it, oh, life sucks, uh, Or are you talking to people where when they talk about their vision, it scares you? Sometimes it's generational. Sometimes we come across with family that have done nothing and they believe that you can do nothing because they did nothing, so they aspire to nothing. So when you dream for bigger, you sound like you're crazy, you got to move out of that circle. See, if you don't intentionally mold your environment for success, no one else is going to do it for you. Who's in your circle? Are there people in your circle that you say, yeah, man, I, I'm striving, you know, he's motivating me to, you know, he came out of this and look at where he's at right now. He, he's speaking life. And, or when you leave your circle, you leave drained because you're the only one giving life. That tends to happen a lot. You're the life giver. So you go there and they're like, oh, here's Will. Let me get everything outside of you. And when you leave the circle, when you leave that environment, you're like, man, honey, I, I need some sleep. Because I left everything there. Let me ask you, are you in life-giving circles? Are you in circles of people talking things that they're not worried about he said, she said. They're like, man, I have this project. This is what the Lord is doing in my life. This is what the Lord is downloading. Man, I'm going to school, man. You know, I'm starting a new business. Are you in circles just talking about the same things we were talking about in 2007? Ooh, I know, I know someone didn't like that one. Are we still laughing at the same jokes we were laughing in 2015? That's still funny? Like, I moved on, man. I got three kids. I'm, I got a wife. I'm trying to build a church. I'm trying to build a kingdom. Like, if you're not speaking on to that, you know, you shut the door. <laughs> and don't you come back to my wall. And, and, and it may sound, Pastor, that's so insensitive, but this is a life or death situation for your generations. See, there are people counting on your best in order to walk into their destiny. So when you don't walk into the best that the Lord has given you, you're not doing a disservice only to yourself. 
You're doing to this, a disservice to those around you that are depending on the fulfillment of the promise of God over your life. Are you intentionally molding your environment for success? If you're married, are you with other thriving married couples? Or you're still in the circle of those single friends that are speaking against marriage? For the fellas, are you in an environment of success speaking to other men that are talking about being better husbands, being better fathers, or you're in an environment of single dudes that have nothing to do than what's, next, what's in the club next week? And that's why, starting in February, valid punch, valid segue, we have our life group starting. Because you need people in your life, the change you want may not be the change you need. You need people to speak life into your life. You need people to say, hey, listen, I was there, and this is where I'm at, and the Lord can do it. You need people to speak life into your life, and you have to do that intentionally. You can lose your progress when you don't intentionally mold your environment for success. Number four, and I'm almost up. There's only five, and I'm breezing through them. When you have too much time in your hands, Didn't you notice that when they were building, nothing was happening? When you stop building, you stop getting progress. There is no such thing that I'm in a neutral season working on myself. That doesn't exist. That's a lie. When you're not building, you're losing. When you have too much time in your hands, listen, I told the church this morning in the Spanish service, if the devil is not attacking you, be afraid. If there are no attacks of the, of the enemy in your life, be very afraid. That means that you're no longer a threat to his kingdom. So I'll, I'll, go, and, I'll go and work with Pastor Marianne. Let me, let me drill her because uh, you're no threat to the enemy. And sometimes we have too much time in our hands, too much time for Netflix and chill. <laughs> the scripture talks about being idle. And the scripture talks about that's where the devil's playground is. When, you're too, when there's too much time in your hands, the things that you don't have time to think about, you start thinking about. But when you're so, this is what happens when we lose focus in church, right? The things that have been happening in church for 70 years don't matter because you're focused on church. But when you lose focus, you start thinking, man, this doesn't happen at this church. We don't. Uh, <laughs> that's why this. When you have too much time in your hands, you're no longer building, so now you're losing. As long as they were building, they were happy. And it happens to all of us, especially those in relationships. As long as you're building your relationship, you have no time to look to the side. The moment you stop building your relationship is when you start looking to the side and believing, ooh, that's better over there, because you stop building. Because you have too much time in your hands. And the last one, and I'll get out of your way. When you misinterpret failure. Some failures in our life are no more than God's redirection to him. We ought to be grateful for some of those. We ought to be grateful that the Lord didn't give us the thing that we wanted. 
when we wanted it. Because <laughs> if we would have gotten them outside of God's timing, it would have been a curse to us. And I sense that in the room, there's a lot of us still hung up on a no. And God is trying to tell you, listen, I know more than you know. And you needed that no for the time that you needed that no because I needed to work in you before I gave you your yes. And we look at failure as a final destination. And I came to tell someone in the room that failure is not final. We can look at men and women in scripture that failed. Once, you know, one time, another time, we have David, we, we, failure is not final. They were trying to build a wall for over a hundred years. And they could have evaluated that time and said, no one's gonna come to our rescue. We're no longer gonna build this wall. And all required one person to have a vision and have the zeal to act upon it. So this afternoon already, this is more than a preaching, this is a teaching. Because yes, we're striving for change, but if there's no protection to that change, why change at all? Does that make sense to anyone in the room? And let me tell you something, Jesus is worth it. I'll say that again, Jesus is worth it. And whatever you're working for, whatever you're striving to protect, you may feel like um, uh, Daphne said during worship, you may feel alone, but as we sang through the worship, not for a minute were we forsaken. I pray that God gives you the boldness to start evicting some people. <laughs> that God gives you the boldness to say, this is where the train stops. I am building something. Not only for me, I'm building something for my generation. And yes, it may sound painful, and, and it will be. When you're healing, the land is a painful process. But when you heal the land, now the, the seed can give its fruit. And I think that for some of us, this is where we struggle. Because we would receive the word on a Sunday morning, and a lot of amens, and man, pastor, that was such a, man, you killed it. And then Tuesday comes around, and we can't retain the seed that was, that was spread. We're called to build with a sword on our side. Do you really want to lose what you've worked for? Most of us should have been dead. Most of us should have been in a really bad situation. And the Lord has kept us. And the Lord has saved us from so many things, even the things that we're not even aware about, even the plans to hurt us that weren't even aware of. He kept us from, is it, is it worth giving it up? You've worked so hard to be where you're at. The least you can do is protect it. The least you can do when you see that call come in, say, decline, block. You, I'll say this to you, you owe it to yourself. 
you're better than that. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. And my prayer is I declare that we will no longer listen to the voice of the enemy and that we will have the boldness to start evicting Tobiah outside of the compound. And say, listen, this is not personal. Actually, this is very personal because I'm going somewhere. Do with it, whatever you want to do with it, but this is where I'm going. This is where my family is going. I have a destiny that I carry. And in order to get there, I need to shut the doors and build the walls. The walls need to be high enough. <laughs> hey, and, and this is not coming from a place that, oh, I'm better, you're, we're better. No, it's, 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 it's called, it's life or death. People are depending on the fulfillment of your destiny for them to be healed, for them to be whole. There's pastors in the room. There's, there, there's prophets in the room. There's people with gifting in the room that are sitting on their destiny. And it's not only for you. We need to get outside of ourselves. It's for them. And I'll leave you with this. The ministry that the Lord wants to give you, it's not anywhere else. It's right in your hands right here. Tobiah didn't need to, um, um, Nehemiah didn't need to go anywhere to get it. He was serving the king where he needed to serve, and the king said, what do you want me to do? If Nehemiah walks out on the word, on the vision, without properly getting equipped by the king, he loses the battle. Does that make sense to anyone? The king said, I'll back you up, whatever you need. He didn't go empty-handed. That's another preaching. My prayer is, God gives us the zeal and the boldness to say, I'm not letting this progress go. I can't look back of what happened. Whatever happened, happened. You redeem my past. You strengthen my today and you bless my future. Whatever stayed over there, you're redeeming that. You've brought me to this moment. I can no longer look back on what I should have done, could have, would have. That's over with. Tobiah, you can't accuse me standing at the wall. I'm going somewhere. And Jesus is worth it, guys.